0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: I'm Lisa Held, a food journalist and podcast host presenting Behind the Label with American Humane. Produced by Heritage Radio Network for Springer Mountain Farms, this podcast series dives into what the American Humane certified label really means. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This week on Meat and 3, we're spotlighting the people who prepare our meat before it reaches our plates. We hear from whole animal butchers, the brains behind a meat vending machine, California cattle ranchers, and a master of charcuterie who isn't using meat at all. It's like a smoked and grilled uh, center stock of the broccoli. And then it gets uh, finished with some mustard barbecue sauce and sauerkraut.
2: Ranching and farming being as difficult as it is, you know, it's just one thing after another. And at some point you just give up.
1: I had a wild idea that if I learned butchery, maybe I could start to be kind of a link in the supply chain. Listen to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio
2: Network listeners tuning in from 165 countries around the world, about a million listens a month. And today, I hope that every single one of them is listening to Tech Bites, the weekly show where we talk to innovators and influencers in the food tech space. And today is, um, it's an interesting day in New York City. It is September 22nd, 2020. We are really getting into the fall season. It's also the opening of the United Nations General Assembly, and typically in New York, that is a big, bustling event with lots of people coming into town, lots of traffic jams, hotel rooms. Usually the UN opens right after Fashion Week, which is another big, big, bustling event. And they're mostly happening remotely right now, so it's a really a little bit of a different feeling in the city. Um, But these events are still happening, and we are on the call today to talk about something that is related to the UN. Next week, on September 29th, will be the United Nations International Day on Food Loss and Waste Reduction. And the United Nations numbers on food waste and food loss are something that we've talked about on this show before. Um, So much of the food tech and innovation space is about reducing food loss by creating better products, better supply chains, um, better processes, and it's all geared towards combating the enormous amount of food that gets wasted every year. The UN estimates that it is 1.3 billion, with a B, tons of food a year, which is just staggering. Um, And that food could very easily go to feeding the 840 million people on the planet who are hungry every day. And we've talked to so many uh, founders on this show who are conscientiously really trying to address that in so many different ways. And today we have two founders who are collaborating together um, to not only bring awareness, but also fight the good fight with a nice beer. Which is kind of great. So, today joining us, we have Tristan Stewart, who is the founder of Toast Ale, which is a great company that uses surplus bread to replace the barley in the brewing process, which reduces food waste, reduces actual agricultural production, creates a great efficient um, energy circle there, and additionally, they give all their profits to nonprofits. And then joining us is also Jesse Ferguson, who would have been around the corner from Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick if we were in the studio. He is the founder and brewmaster of Interborough Spirits and Ale, Brooklyn. It's a Brooklyn brewery, which is fantastic. So Jesse and Tristan, thank you for joining us today on uh, the virtual in the virtual studio. So let's there, there's a so much information and things to unpack here. Let's um, let's talk a little bit about uh, the founding of Toast Tristam and what that entails, and then the collaboration and how it addresses the um, the UN Day. But what what was the first? I mean, Toastel first of all, it's a such a clever clever name. Uh, People listening at home, if you want to check things out immediately, you can go to toastale.com or follow them on social media at Toast Ale. Tell us about the inception of the business.
3: Well, thank you, Jennifer. If you don't mind, I'll go back into ancient history first. Um, My own ancient history is that I, I campaigned on food waste for around 20 years. I started by keeping Pigs and feeding them and waste food, including the tons of waste bread that I used to collect every week from my local organic bakery. And I eventually wrote the book about food waste in 2009, Waste Uncovering the Global Food Scandal, that kicked off a huge global discussion. And in that book, I discussed how the bread industry was one of the most wasteful in the world. I'd been to sandwich factories that We're throwing away 13,000 slices of fresh bread, day fresh bread every day because they didn't use the end slices, the heel of the loaves in those supermarket sandwiches. And, you know, here in the UK, we love our sandwiches and we consequently waste billions of slices. And on top of that, you get surplus in the industry, unsold uh, loaves. And then, of course, in our homes, colossal waste of bread up and down the supply chain. And um, this is an environmental burden as well as being, as you said in your introduction, quite rightly, we're extracting food from the world market that could be feeding those hundreds of millions of people who literally cannot afford to buy uh, food to feed their families. And there is a direct relationship between our wastage and scarcity on the other side of the world, particularly with a commodity like wheat which is internationally traded. And so it had always upset me. It made me angry, frankly. And when I dumpster dived in supermarket bins and got bread out of it, of course, you know, that was me being able to convert what would have been wasted into something good to eat. But most of the bread being thrown away was literally going into a hole and rotting. And so when I in my many years of campaigning and helping uh, entrepreneurs and policymakers come up with better ways of using food that was currently being wasted, when I came across the brewer in Belgium, Sebastian Moulin, who told me that the ancient origins of beer were the using of old bread and other grains that would otherwise go moldy and that fermentation was first and foremost a preservation technology, the inebriation that results is a happy side effect. But that that was the origin of beer. And he showed us how to, to make beer using waste bread. I said, wow, you know, I know where bread is being wasted on an industrial scale all over the world. At the same time, there are now craft beer brewers all over the world. It's the thing. And I've spent 20 years building a global food waste movement, and it's now all over the world. Let's bring these three phenomena together, get the waste bread, bring it to the brewers, and team up with local organizations using surplus food to feed hungry people, whatever it is, and pour our profits using waste bread, turning it into beer, perfectly good, fit for consumption bread that would otherwise be wasted, and and get it um get it into 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 people's hands to celebrate and to toast the end of food waste and that is what we then did
2: well that's really a it's a perfect story i mean i think um you could not have crafted anything better if you sat down to sort of you know make something up in terms of an idea that's that covers all the bases. It's interesting to me that bread is the start of this. And um, because, you know, years ago, a a few years ago, Nathan Mirvold, who's a uh, computer genius, food scientist, very interested uh, writer and researcher, wrote a, a very, very lengthy tome called Bread, with thousands of recipes and pages, Um, researching and really the history of bread over time. And the interesting thing about bread is that it really is, the history of bread is the history of civilization and the history of, um, you know, humans, you know, moving from being nomadic to staying in place to farming and agriculture and production and things like that. And so it's an interesting, I think, continuation of that sort of shared history um, that we now take a look at bread in terms of having it be a fundamental pivot point to you know, cycling back into other products and cycling back into the idea of reducing food waste because bread is certainly something that's been around for millennia and probably will be around for time to come. Um, a question to you just before we pivot off of toast ale um, in terms of the type of business that it is, I note that you're a certified B corporation, and I would love for you just to explain to listeners who may not know what that is, what that means.
3: Yeah, Um, well, just to say, first and foremost, I'm an environmental activist. Uh, The idea of setting up a business, uh, let alone making it a successful international one, was probably not what I I, uh, originally envisaged. But what I've always been trying to do is come up with fun, enjoyable, celebratory solutions to the colossal global problems that we have. Our motto is, if you want to change the world, you've got to throw a better party than the people destroying it. And that's how I've always done my (laughs) campaign. If you have a huge pile of food waste, don't just get angry and grieve over it, though definitely do that too. You've got to upcycle that food into, and your grief and your anger, into something celebrating, a great feast for all of your friends, or as I've done all over the world, feeding 5,000 people with food that would have been wasted. And Toast Ale's philosophy was very much a continuation of that. Obviously, since we are built as a business to have a positive environmental impact on the world, to generate money for charities that are tackling the problems at the food system level, we obviously we're going to have to operate our business to the highest possible ethical standards. Um, I believed that we could probably do that on our own. And then we met with the B Corp team and they really pointed out to us through their rigorous uh, system that there are elements of your business that even with the best will in the world, you might not know how to do it, like looking after staff in the possible, best possible way. That is something that doesn't necessarily come naturally. And the B Corp community are a, a global family of businesses that have come up with extremely stringent standards that look at every part of your business to check that you are doing it from uh, energy efficiency to, to staff for holidays. And you know every single part of your business needs to be done to the highest possible ethical standards. And by coming together as the B Corp community, we support each other to find those avenues to do business in a way that's going to do good. Instead of extracting value and exploiting people, we create value, we protect nature, we look after the humans that are part of our ecosystem.
2: It's an interesting idea to structure business in a specific way uh, beyond profitability and the, the traditional uh, the traditional strokes of what we consider a successful business to be. So tell us then how you connected with uh, Jesse. Jesse, tell us a little bit about Interborough Spirits and Ale. And I'm sad that we're not just around the corner. I imagine that in uh, before times we would all be together in the Heritage Radio Network studio and we're inside Roberta's Pizza and that we might be very... Likely eating pizza and drinking some interborough.
4: Yeah, normally <laughs> when I do these, I bring beer for sure. That's <laughs> usually my plan. Um, uh, we are a uh, small brewery and distillery um, that uh, we just celebrated our fourth anniversary. We're located, as you said, um, in Brooklyn, uh, right around the corner from the Bushwick neighborhood. Um, we're on Grand Street, um, and we call our we affectionately refer to our neighborhood as Bushburg, given <laughs> our proximity to, to Williamsburg as well. Um, we have, uh, you know, we started out um, both brewing and distilling, so trying to explore, you know, the sort of the entire spectrum of flavors that can be created um, using grain, yeast. Uh, Water and uh, in the case of beer, hops. Um, And, you know, uh, my business partner, Laura, um, connected with the Toast um, folks in the the U.S. and then on a larger scale uh, with the U.K. team. And um, we were really excited to get involved in using... um, using bread as a, as a, one of the primary ingredients in making a beer. Um, it, it, it first sort of came up right as COVID hit. Um, and, uh, I don't know, I'm, no, I'm sure you're aware that there's been a, a large, uh, popularization of home baking during COVID. And, uh, our, our crew was, was also part of that. I had, uh, at one point, I think we had two different sourdough starters being shared around the brewery. Um, and these, and our brewers, uh, legitimately were working on sourdough as, you know, s- uh, students of fermentation, they were working on baking and, and, and sourdough fermentation long before COVID as well. Um, so when we brought the idea of, um, you know, making beer using, uh, reclaimed or recycled bread, they were all really gung-ho about it as well. So we were very excited to get involved and, uh and then we got bread alone involved and so it became for for our team it became a, a, a very educational process i would say
2: so in ter- uh, we'll get to the covid piece um so i mean so many things to talk about and sourdough baking covid were you essential did you still continue to brew sales have gone through the roof um but simultaneously throughout covid Um, And now, even still, I do think that there has been a a real awareness that's new for people in the general public about the food system and surplus food and food waste and accessibility and all those kinds of things. We, at least in the United States, and and Tristan, you can tell us if it was similarly the case in the U.K., Shelves were empty in the grocery stores and people were a little panicked. And it wasn't because we don't have enough food in the United States. It was simply a question of the supply chain not being able to meet demand for a variety of reasons. Things not being able to get from the farm to the store or from the plant to the to the store and into people's hands. So it created a false sense of um, a false sense of food availability, and then also created an awareness of, you know, maybe giving people a, a little bit of a sense of what it means to feel like you are food insecure. So I think there's a lot of different things sort of swirling around, you know, the past six months that bring these ideas to the forefront, along with the idea of being, you um, you know, a little bit more thrifty in terms of using everything that you have at home and not throwing anything away, or using everything that you have in your community. Um, Jesse, how how was the experimentation brewing with bread? Was it did it take a long time? Did you hit the success right out of the gate? Were there some like wacky things at the beginning?
4: Well, I, yeah, we we got a lot of good information from the toast team. Um, so, you know, a lot of the, I would say more of the R&D side of it had been done for us. They sort of let us know, um, you know, what percentages to use and, um, you know, certain... We, we use some uh, some enzymes that we don't typically have to use when we're doing all malt brewing um, in order to make sure we didn't get too much... Uh, stickiness in the mash every brewer's nightmare is a is a stuck mash um and you can imagine that throwing in a couple hundred kilos of torn up bread is a daunting sight at first going into the mash tun, you're not you're not sure how you're going to get all that out um but uh yeah the toast team really had armed us with I guess they've got done years and years of work on getting their recipes right so they armed us with the, the, the right, correct information so that our brew day actually went incredibly smoothly we did start extra early because you always want to you want to start early in case something goes sideways um, but we got a we got a, a very high efficiency we used um, a, a combination of some Nordic rye bread and uh, and some just normal sourdough rye bread Um, and we were making a stout, um, so we used a lot of uh, black malt. So the the yield is gonna be a a rye stout, um, which we're really excited about, and it's not quite ready to be packaged, so I don't don't have one that I can taste in front of me, but from all indications in the fermentation, it's um, proceeding as any of our other all malt um, or all barley beers would be going.
2: That's exciting. So it's called United Rye, and it's an extra-strength stout that you made. extra
4: Extra—export strength. Export. export, strength. okay. That's a, that's, a, that's a technicality of English brewing that I'm not 100% familiar with, but it, you said extra strength, right? And you would think something that says export strength would be really strong. But in reality, because of English—at least my knowledge of English brewing laws— um, Anything over like 5% is stronger than your average English ale. I don't know, if, Stuart, if you <laughs> can confirm that.
3: Well, you know, the brewing industry has all been shaken up since you American craft brewers started spreading your, your American ways into our country. So I don't know what the norm is anymore. But, uh...
2: <laughs> <laughs> so tell us um, when uh, it will be available and, and how people can get their hands on it.
4: Um, we're going to be packaging it on uh, the world Food day uh, on the 29th and then distributing it uh, somewhat regionally um, at for the probably starting the following week uh, we're working with whole foods um, and our and uh, you know our network of other local retailers to um, get the united rice stout out in primary cans one of the main things that's happened since covid to the beer industry and it's a little bit unfortunate in the in the uh view of uh the environment is that everything is gone we went from almost 50 to 75 percent of our beer being put into 100 percent reusable kegs um to now you know anywhere between 80 and 90 percent of our beer put into aluminum cans um which are also highly recyclable which is great. But, um, you know, draft beer uh, is, you know, sharing a pint at the pub in a pint glass and it coming out of a keg that can then just be cleaned and reused. That has a very, um, a very much smaller uh, footprint, I, I would say, ecologically.
2: Yeah, that's one thing that the, um, the pandemic has certainly generated a lot of waste in terms of personal consumption. Um, at least in New York um, and different parts of the country, we were not allowed to bring like reusable bags to the grocery store at the beginning when people were trying to figure out, you know, what was contagious or not. And, you know, all of the wipes and masks and bags and containers and and all of that is necessary. Um, but then also you just think about everything piling up and delivery and the food kits and all of that it's it's a little bit of a daunting um daunting image and thing to think about going forward um yeah do you do growlers at all i've seen growlers at some places yeah, for the personal growlers, consumption i'm sh- maybe that doesn't work grow- too well with something that should be on tap though
4: growlers have uh I would say, in general, lost a lot of popularity over the last four to five years as the um, the sort of 16 ounce uh, aluminum can became sort of the the unit of trade um, amongst you know breweries and craft beer fans. Uh, we used to do a lot of growlers. It's it's uh, it has not seen the resurgence that we would, would have hoped. I think. Hmm.
2: Well, maybe that's something to think about bringing back. You could have it at the farmer's market or at stands. People could come. They could have their own growler. They could bring them back. And We've done it. Maybe, maybe you know, new, new times call for new things. Maybe people would be more interested.
3: We've, uh, we've done that in the UK We're, with the supermarket partners that we work with. In fact, this is before COVID, but having the ability for people to bring in their own bottles, growlers included, into the supermarket and refill uh, on tap, so as to avoid having any cans or, or bottles, uh, even at the supermarket level. Um, it can be done.
2: It's yeah. It's an interesting idea, um, and I think also once we get past sort of the idea of you know sharing implements or you know uh, bulk kind of things, there was a starting to be I think a small interest um, about zero waste for retail and food retail in the United States, but not enough to make it become a trend. I think it was still a, a curiosity item that you would read about in magazines and newspapers about you know something in Europe, maybe one place in Brooklyn or one place in, um, I think there was a place out in Denver and Colorado also that was doing zero waste retail. Um, but maybe those things will all come back or move forward. We are gonna take a quick break and find out who is helping Heritage Radio Network move forward. Did you know that we're a 501c3 nonprofit and we keep the lights on and the mics hot out of the generosity of our members, who are mostly listeners like you, grants and underwriters like this one? Stay with us.
1: I'm Lisa Held, a food journalist and podcast host, presenting Behind the Label with American Humane. Produced by Heritage Radio Network for Springer Mountain Farms, this podcast series dives into what the American Humane Certified Label really means. We're looking inside the farm certification process, beginning with the moment a farmer expresses interest in becoming American Humane Certified, all the way to a consumer seeing the seal on store shelves. And American Humane is our country's first national humane organization founded way back in 1877. Now we certify nearly 1 billion farm animals each and every year. Despite that growth, uh, roughly 90% of U.S. farm animals are still raised without the benefit of independently verified science-based standards. Subscribe to Behind the Label with American Humane wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: Well, if you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we look at the intersection of food and technology. And today, we are looking at a really great intersection of two different companies and a lot of different types of technology. We are talking with Tristem Stewart, the founder of Toast Ale. Um, it's a company that started in the UK out of his really passion for food waste and environmentalism. If you wanna follow along at home and check out their story, you can find them online, toastale.com, and on social media, at Toast Ale. Toast Ale has collaborated with Interborough Spirits and Ale, which is a local Brooklyn brewery and distillery, to come together to do a united rye, an export strength stout that is a special production using excess bread from the Bread Alone Bakery. And it is being brewed to be packaged next week to celebrate the United Nations International Day on food loss and food waste reduction. A lot of things happening here. Jesse Ferguson is the founder of Interborough Spirits and Ale and the brewmaster There are so many things around this story that I don't know that we can hit all the points in the short time that we have together. Um, But one thing that we were talking about in the first half of the show is, you know, sort of the fundamental idea of bread and being a part of, you know, human history taking bread as an industry that creates so much waste, pairing it together with something um, also very old, ale, brewing, um, also something very old, and then bringing them together. The thing that's interesting about bread and, and ales and, and wines is that we think of them not only as being things that are uh, very simply sustainable, But there are also things that you come together and share. I think when we think about like breaking bread, we think about doing it with people. When we think about raising a glass and having a toast, we think about doing it with people. And um, now is an interesting time because we are physically distant and trying to socially find ways to be together. And certainly on the pub front, Um, it's been a little bit challenging lately, but how do you, I mean, from both of you, your businesses, um, I know that we've seen a surge in, in, in alcohol sales and beer sales during the past six months, but how do, how do you think about coming together to have those toasts and have those moments now?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, you just hit the nail on the head there, Jennifer, my favorite word in the English language, is the word companion. Com in Latin is with and pan is bread. A companion is somebody you share food with. And indeed, the sharing of food is a universal human behaviour. It is how people make friends with each other. It's how we build society. And whether it's sharing a meal uh, with your friends and your family or a pint down the pub. This has always been a way of binding people together in friendship, in companionship. And all of my work, the campaigning work and toast absolutely included has been about bringing people together in companionship in both a literal way of eating and drinking together, but also in a global figurative way. When Jesse is brewing with surplus bread from bread alone and diverting the funds that we get from selling that beer in Whole Foods Market and the profits go to Rethink Food NYC to support people who are not able to access enough food during the pandemic and even outside of it, the people who are food insecure in the United States we are all acting in companionship with each other. I am in companionship with Jesse, who's in companionship with all of the drinkers of the, the, um, the, the beer that we've made with Interborough. We're in companionship with all the customers who go to Whole Foods and buy those cans of beer. And they, in turn, we are all in a community together And the money that we're generating is helping people who most need it. And that, for me, is how in this time of social distancing, in this time of distance and separation, we are still being human and coming together in full companionship, looking after each other and looking after the natural world from which all of our food derives and that we do need urgently to attend to because it is suffering as well. And we need to build businesses, we need to build the food and drink industry around the needs of nature as well. So we're acting in companionship with the earth as well.
2: So many, I mean, it's just really, um, I think part of what the pandemic has done has really brought to the forefront just how interconnected everything and everyone is. On a very fundamental level, um, Jesse, you are the founder of a small business, and it sounds like um, you and your team are are uh, passionate and a close knit group. Has the past six months uh, changed your perspective or thoughts about how you 're going to move your business forward um, you know in in any <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> way shape, or form I mean. You know, obviously, yeah. continuing to have business and move forward are all you know great things unto themselves. But um, are, are there any th- things specifically that you're thinking about going into the next six months?
4: Oh yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a lot there. Uh, it, I would you know, six months has definitely has definitely changed uh, our approach, changed our lives. You know, New York got obviously you're, you know you're. you're Fully aware, we got hit pretty hard, and things got shut down. You had asked earlier if we were essential. We we were essential, um, and so I think our team grew really tight knit in that we sort of got through the, a, a lot of this together. Um, and it was it wasn't, and none of it was easy. Um, watching businesses that have supported us for you know years fail um, and and, you know, as Tristram said, it's like we, we founded this company to bring people together through, um, you know, companionship and friendship around alcohol, right? It's a social lubricant. It's, it's, a, it's a way that people can connect with each other on a very one-on-one basis and, and, with, and how I, people identify um, and signify who they are. Um, whether it's by supporting small local businesses, um, and, and craft arts makers in order to, to identify sort of what, what they're into or to make conscious decisions about where they're going to spend their money and, and, and sort of vote with their dollars by supporting small, uh, businesses over like giant corporations. And, and, and that's, that sort of dichotomy exists within beer, um, it's a it's a it's a huge part of what beer is about um so you know going forward we you know we're all about survival um but i think also the the um the sort of the chaos <laughs> and uh and confusion around the pandemic and and then the, the the uprisings around racial justice and um it's really brought the whole Beer making community together. Um, there have been a number of projects that we've gotten involved in that have sought to bring attention to racial justice or um, voting rights, um, and so working with Toast and tristram and and his team to bring attention to global food waste and and I think the underlying sort of you know food. Um, instability in america it, it, during the pandemic and during the economic hardship that's hit since then it, it i think it's it's once again allowed us to have a, a voice in our community that is beyond just trying to sell people beer or trying to sell people a brand it's 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 having uh, something to to talk about while we try and keep our business alive and, and our and our team employed that, uh, that can unify our our community and so that was kind of how we hit on the name united right it was a way to it, it, it's a way to um bring people together beer is meant to bring people together and in this case it's bringing people together for a good cause around food um you know not uh, reducing food waste and also increasing you know with the donations that we're making to rethink food nyc we're going to be each four pack sold will be providing uh, essentially uh one meal, uh, for people who are experiencing food instability, um, and are hungry. Uh, so, you know, it's, it, I think that the, this sort of re- you know, a team is growing stronger and if, and which feels good, even though we're trying to get through this really chaotic time.
2: So you really close, I mean, when we think about the number of people and entities that are going to benefit from this seemingly, um, you know, n- not ordinary, but you know, a, a, a having having a having a beer is a pretty um, everyday kind of event. So we have you know starting off with you know toast ale being the certified B Corp that is going to, you know run their business for their employees and then the entities around them in a in a sustainable way you are recycling bread from bread alone you are putting that into the beer you have your staff you're selling it money's going to rethink which is then feeding people in addition to feeding people rethink is also employ employing and allowing other restaurant people to come back to work which is then in turn allowing vendors and purveyors to sell food and to come back to work and you know the 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 number of people um, and businesses that uh, a single project like this can touch is really um, extraordinary I think when you think about it and is really exponential and my guess is that this is part of um, what Tristam is is talking about when he's so excited about his business and what that can do um you know one thing can can have such a great impact, and if we can replicate that one thing over and over again, then you know that's how problems start to get solved. I think it's really i think it's great um it's also interesting you know when you talk about independent businesses and big businesses and how those match together, you know it's notable i think that one of the interborough uh, distributors, it sounds like, is Whole Foods, which is great, which is owned by a giant, giant company, which is Amazon. So I think there's also an interesting balance of, um, you know, the small independent company that then does go out to a broader audience through a bigger channel. And that, you know, bigger is it not necessarily, sometimes I think we, we reduce some of these conversations to something that's really simple, which is big is bad and small is good. But in this instance, um, you know, sometimes you need that, that larger platform to to make a, an impact at scale. Um, so, you know, that's, that's extraordinary. I didn't realize the piece that you all were then contributing to Rethink at the end with the sales, which is just great. Um, really, really uh, well thought out, you know, broad, broad attack on so many different issues and so many different issues that we're having right now. Hopefully, you know, one of the things that comes with the past six months is people um, becoming more and more aware of things, like you said, and the more awareness that you have, the more thoughtful you can be about the decisions that you make, you know, every day. And you know, that's something that we definitely are trying to do here on Tech Bytes and something that we try and do at Heritage Radio Network where you know, it's so important to talk to people and really get into the details of all the stories that are happening every day, people's lives, decisions that they've made, what they're doing with their business. Um, you know, they're kind of inspirational and motivational at a time when we need it. Um, and then it also, you know, let people know what happens when they, you know, when they have that drink and make that toast, what the ripple effect is. Um, we are out of time, unfortunately. Um, and we could talk again. We could probably do a whole series on this. <laughs> no, short, no shortage of, of stories. Um, again, um, if you want to find out more about Toast Ale, visit them online, toastale.com. Interborough Spirits and Ale, you can find them online, interborough.nyc, and that's borough B O B-O-R-O. R O. You can find them on social media at nyc. Um, look out for their United Rye Export Strength Stout made with bread alone. That should be coming in about three weeks to market. Is that yeah, right?
4: Yeah, two weeks,
2: two to three weeks. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in finding more about the United, finding out more about the United Nations International Day on Food Loss and Waste Reduction, um, visit the UN.org. Um, they have a lot of information. They have things to download, uh, you know, information to share with kids. They have, you know, ideas on how to stop food, food waste and change the direction of things. If you're interested in finding out more about um, the organization that Tristan is a part of, which is a group of business leaders really trying to drill down on um, hitting these target goals visit champions 12.3 online. There's a lot of really great information there as well. So you can, you can read while you drink. Um, and I think that covers it. Did I miss anything? Any last? Yeah, there's
3: just one problem with this whole situation. And that is, uh, that I can't taste this beer. So I'm going to make an, (laughs) Uh, and that is to stash a can away for when all this is over and I can come and drink a beer with you, Jesse, because as you know, the story is great. The impact is fantastic. Absolutely number one thing above all else is that we have to make really excellent, delicious beer. And I was so excited by this particular Rye Stout that you were coming up with, Jesse. I'm so excited to taste taste its notes and and feel the, the feel of this rye in, in, in a pint glass. Uh, I, I want you to save that, save that for me. And for the time being, all of you lucky people in, in New York who are able to get uh, your lips around this, I envy you and I hope you enjoy it.
2: <laughs> yeah,
4: I can't <laughs> wait to share a beer with you. Uh,
2: Jesse, are you, do you think that uh, Interboro will be making more uh, recycled, upcycled bread brews in the future? Was it interesting enough for your team? Yeah. Or was it? I,
4: I, I think, you know, pending that, uh, you know, we're, like I said, we're super confident about the way this one's going to taste. I think that it's, it was a project that was very fun and, and you know, we'll, we'll, and seems like hopefully it's going to have a real positive impact. So I would see that in the future for sure.
2: That's exciting. Well, I want to thank everyone. Uh, thank our guests, Jesse and Tristan, for spending time with us this morning. Um, thank all of our listeners for tuning in. And listening, we have, this is show number 217. We have done 17 shows during the pandemic, all remotely via ZenCaster. Thanks to the hard work of our engineer, Matt Patterson, and the whole staff at Heritage Radio Network who make it all possible. If you like this show, come back and see us again. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you really love it, if you think these are important conversations to have, if you think we need more public radio, go to heritageradionetwork.org, click the beating heart, and make a donation. Maybe make a donation of what you would have spent buying around at the pub. It'll allow us to make more radio and share more stories with you. If you designate your donation to Tech Bytes... I will send you a gift along with my undying love. I'm Jennifer Liutzi, and this is Tech Bytes. Tech Bytes is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10 year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter.